welcome to the Co-Hops Podcast, Episode 3. We're a podcast about video games, and uh, we feature a different beer every episode that we drink while we record. And uh, today, I, I'm i Nick, uh, and today I'm joined by... I'm Zach. And I'm Garrett. Excellent. And it was Zach's turn to pick the beer this episode. I am apprehensive and excited about this one. <laughs> As you should be. So when we were trying to decide what to drink this week, uh, I just immediately wanted to get one of my favorite beers out of the way, which is uh, it's by Pelican Brewing, and it is Beak Breaker. It's a double IPA. Um, Pelican is down on the Oregon coast, I think. it's They're in Tillamook. Let me double check the can. Yep, they're in Tillamook. They, yeah, and they, they have a, a few restaurants in the, the Oregon area, Uh very shortly before travel became no longer an option, I uh, went on a trip down to the Oregon coast with my mom, and we stopped by one of the Pelican restaurants that was really excellent. And I tried a couple of their beers, but I did not try this one because I, I'm on the record as not being a fan of IPAs. So this is going to perhaps be a bit of a kick in the teeth. But You don't like I, IPAs? Uh, Here's a double. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> double the fun. Uh, but I really enjoyed the hazy IPA that Garrett brought on the the first episode, so uh, I am keeping an open mind. Yeah, I I found this. Uh, I say found as if I discovered it, but I first tried it when I went down to the Oregon coast. Uh, we went to Rockaway Beach and drove through Tillamook, and uh, um, I saw their brewery. And when I was uh, browsing. Uh, grocery store for some beer while I was down there. I was like, oh, let's give this a try. It's it's local to where I'm at. And I really loved it. And I rarely drink uh, the same beer twice. I, I like to try a lot of new things. And this is one I buy very frequently because I, I do enjoy it so much. Zach, that's a much different origin story than I had in my head. I thought <laughs> that you just saw a pelican and it said beak breaker and you went, ooh. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's <laughs> I often uh, joke with my friend. So I introduce another friend to this, and uh, he also really enjoys it. And so we, uh, as a as a joke, some nights will say, "Oh, what are you doing tonight?" And it's like, "Oh, I'm going to break some beaks tonight." <laughs> it's a terrible joke. That's fun. Uh, I have to tell you as well. I cannot leave this out. That said, friend and I came. You guys are familiar with uh, like drop shots in beers. Uh, oh, yeah. We came up with one for this, and we both have tried it. Oh, and, oh, oh. and we call it a beak bomb. Oh no! And Fantastic. it's uh, it's a can or bottle of uh, beak breaker poured into a pint glass, and then you drop a shot of Everclear in it. Whoa! That will break your beak for sure. <laughs> it's. Um, yeah. Do you just pass out after you it's finish? It's potent. It? <laughs> let me let me tell you. Um, it actually kind of tastes good. Like it doesn't like Everclear is pretty disgusting, but whatever combination that makes, and it was totally just a, a, a joke thing we made up at work one day. Uh, but whatever that combination does, it actually tastes decent. And uh, wow, and it's powerful. Just wow, yeah. The only the only bombs I'm familiar with are the uh, perhaps uh, insensitively named Irish car bomb and. Uh, and bombing a shot of Jaeger into Monster, which is shockingly good. As someone who doesn't like Monster and is okay with Jaeger, that combination is uh, is pretty great. 
I've not had the Jaeger one, but Garrett was there when I had my first car bomb. Uh, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you you didn't participate. I, I don't think, but no, I was coaching you and said, please drink it faster. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's gonna get really gross. Yeah. Now, wh- when things open up, uh, we need to do uh, sake bombs. We need to do uh, beef bombs. Oh, what? It, it's a no. Uh, I mean, I will, but um, but no, the the sake bomb where you um, you just have like a rice beer and then you have chopsticks and then you put a shot of sake on top of the chopsticks and then you pound the table until the shot drops into the glass and then you drink it. That sounds oh, really that's amazing. Fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, but uh, Zach, why don't you tell us some specifics about the beer? We know it's a double IPA out of Portland. No, not Portland, Tillamook. Tillamook, yes. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know too many specifics, so I'm going to just look at the can here. Uh, it says a massive amount of mosaic, citra, and centennial hops. Uh, delivers a bright citrus tropical aroma with notes of ruby red grapefruit and sweet pine. I like that it says big punchy hops, and then right next to it, inconceivably drinkable. Do you see <laughs> where it says down there it's not safe for birds? That's a joke. Does it really? No. <laughs> okay. No, oh, I was going to say that was a <laughs> that was me. a joke in the production meeting, but I was like, really? It's on the can? Oh my god. Okay. Well, Ooh, that is something. Um, yeah. The look looking at the can, uh, it lists a ninety IBU. That's not wrong. This is uh, this is pretty intense, but mm-hmm. it's not uh quite as rough as I was expecting. The aftertaste is a little leaves a little bit of bitter on your tongue but um but it's uh it's not bad it's certainly no uh not as drinkable as that hazy ipa but uh i'm not uh i'm not reeling (laughs) you didn't recoil immediately upon tasting it so that's something second question did you buy a six pack (laughs) i i i expressed the vote of no confidence of uh, getting a mixed six pack from the grocery store with two two things that I know I like, um, one of which might make it actually both of which might make it onto the show. Um, there, I don't think they put this in cans before, but uh, Mac and Jack's uh, African Amber mm-hmm. uh, is a, uh, a a tap room favorite of mine uh, that I saw in cans for the first time recently, and uh, also there is. There were a couple of ciders from a brewery that I don't recall, also down in Oregon, that uh, once we get to ciders, I'll have to start uh, bringing along. Well, I'll definitely bring in some uh, hopped ciders because they taste more like beer than cider, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. I don't know how many of those you guys have had before. I've never had a hopped cider. You'll like it, Zach. I'm, I know you'll like it. I'm not looking forward to the <laughs> Mac and Jack's one. I'll put that out right now because... When I've had that in the past, I was not a fan of it, but it's been a long time, so I'm curious yeah. now with uh, kind of more acclimated taste buds if it's going to appeal to me more. Yeah, I, I like it. It is pretty bitter. It is pretty dark. Um, uh, it's funny how this used to be like my favorite thing to get at bars, partly because it was at every bar, um, but... Now I have somewhat more refined tastes and think, oh, right. Yeah, there are there are better ambers out there. There's there's other. <laughs> yeah, you can try a lot of different things and you'll find uh, um, have a more nuanced view of what good beer is. Well, it'll be interesting because uh, I've been to the Mac and Jack's brewery 
and they used to only sell it in kegs to restaurants and bars. So you could only ever get it there. So I think it's a fairly recent thing. I think they started like a bottle, a limited bottle run. And then now that it's in cans, like that's uh, due to the accessibility, you know, what they, what they need to do and how limited bars and things are open. But um, it's a cool tour to go on. I would, anybody in the uh, Seattle, I think they're in Redmond area. Um, it takes like 30 minutes. You get to taste some good beers. Yeah. Yeah. Redmond is, is correct. Uh, I was checking it out while, while I was drinking it. It's, uh, I imagine it is probably better on tap and I can understand why they would keep it mostly tap based. Um, cause it, I, I remember being blown away by how good it was when I, uh, had it before. And perhaps part of that, uh, part of my relative disappointment, uh, this time, uh, might've been from being in a can and not out of a tap. Garrett, did I completely miss it, or did you not chime in on the beak breaker? Oh, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean it's it's a it's a double it's a double IPA, so like it's not one that I think that you could drink a whole a whole bunch of like in a row. At least for me, Um, it kind of sits a little bit heavy, but um, the taste is good, especially for it being a double IPA. Most of them you drink it and it just punches you in the mouth with bitter. And then there's just no aftertaste. It's like, I just ate a fistful of hops. Uh, (laughs) it was diluted in a little bit of water. Uh, let's go for the next taste. But yeah, um, you introduced me to this back when we took a a trip down to Oregon and I like it it now. And yeah, it's, it's good. No one else liked the beer. Remember we bought that case (laughs) and you and I were the only ones that drank. It it was a Pelican brewing sampler. and, And so, um, I, I knew I liked it. I had tried it already. So I had a couple this weekend and I, I mean, I, I like it enough to, to drink a six pack. It's good. Excellent. Yeah. I, it's certainly growing on me. Well, Zach, uh, what, what have you been playing lately? Um, so, uh, last week I mentioned starting up persona five. I have kind of fallen off of that. I realized like after playing an hour or two more, it's just not what I want to play right now for whatever reason. It's not getting in the hooks in me um so I'm, i'll go back to it at some point for sure but it, it's a big commitment i think that's that's a big part of it is like i just finished playing assassin's creed for 80 hours like i don't really want to sink another 100 hours into something right now um i did pick up bravely default 2 uh on launch day i didn't play the first one but uh starting the second one the story is ultra generic like copy and pasted the story from Final Fantasy One. It feels like, uh, the... and, and that's exactly my complaint that I had with the first one. So it is funny, funny to hear that that continues. Uh, I also never played uh, Bravely Second, which, as I understand it, is sort of a Final Fantasy Ten Two of sorts to Bravely Default One, and this is more of a the next Final Fantasy. Um, from from what I can recall. Uh, this is just a totally different world, totally unrelated to the original Bravely Default, except for mechanically. I really yeah, like Zach, the I... combat mechanic. Oh, go ahead, Garrett. Sorry. Oh, I, I know. I was I was just gonna say I like how you're like, yeah. I don't I don't want to make a commitment to Persona Five. Hey, let me play this other hundred hour RPG. <laughs> hey, uh, it's only sixty from what I read. So, uh-huh. <laughs> mm. and yeah. about twenty five of it is grinding. So, yeah, maybe twenty of it is watching cutscenes too. So. At least that's how it feels in the beginning. I, yeah, I didn't. I, I haven't put much time into it, and that is because I picked up uh, Hollow Knight um, on Switch, and so I've owned Hollow Knight 
I own it twice, actually, already. This will be my third copy. And it fits so perfectly on the Switch that it's finally something that I've been dedicating time to. And it's all I've been playing for the past week. Uh, it is so much fun. And I was talking to Nick about this, and it's very odd that I love it so much because it is uh, extremely hard in parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and depending on how far you are, like... Uh, I was talking to a coworker about it because he's like, oh, have you ever played Hollow Knight? And this is four or six months ago. And I had heard of it. It had been in my Steam library for forever. And he goes, install it and play it. And I instantly fell in love as well. Um, I like the Dark Souls series. I like Metroidvanias. So it all kind of fit. I really like how uh, the story flows and how there's differences in the paths that you can take. Nothing is really locked down except for um, some paths that you need specific skills for. But as they've added the free expansions to the game, um, the percentage of completion goes up. So there's like an achievement for completing 125% of the game, and that's the game with all the expansions. I've only gotten to 105% because I hit a boss in one of the expansions where I'm just like, uh, okay, uh, this is like ghosts and go- <laughs> this is like ghosts and goblins level frustrating where I feel like I'm not even making progress. I'm I'm getting worse as I go through, and uh, every week he goes, hey, did you? Two hundred and twenty-five percent complete Hollow Knight, and I go, dude, just, just let it go. It's <laughs> please, not, it's just, it's not gonna happen. Please stop. And he, and he, he goes, no, you, you owe it to yourself, and you owe it to Team Cherry to uh, play through all their content. And I go, uh, <sighs> all right. But Zach did that for me. He bought the game twice, so there you go, Team yeah. Cherry. I did buy it twice. I got it once for free. So there you go. But yeah, the the game is, um, it's programmed so incredibly well like the movement of the character and the actual mechanics of moving around and attacking and fighting are so fluid and they feel perfect um it's like if i die i know it's my fault like i don't feel cheesed at any point by some garbage that happened in the game it feels like i misjumped or i'm or i timed my attack wrong or i misdashed or whatever the case may be it all feels like it's on me and it's it's really smooth it uh it's it feels like you are in control of what you're doing at all times and i i'd contrast that with something like little big planet that is loose and feels like you uh you don't have as much control over your destiny uh and there's some even early on there's some decently challenging platforming stuff in hollow knight i haven't made it too deep in for whatever reason it hasn't grabbed me the same way it grabbed the two of you despite me also loving metroidvanias and also loving dark souls games uh something about it and i i love the aesthetic i can't even place exactly what uh what it is that kept me away from it perhaps it is uh the understanding that i'd need to commit a lot of time to it and a lot of attention to getting better what would you call the aesthetic in the game it's like bug gothic (laughs) yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh I, so i played a good chunk i played a good chunk with the sound off because i've been playing like while my wife is watching tv or at work between customers when i have some downtime or whatever and it was such a mistake like i finally had a chance to play it with music and i was like holy crap the soundtrack is incredible and not just the music but the like the squeaky everything sounds. everything yeah and there's a lot of sound cues that are really important that I was missing out on. Like those, uh, uh, there are these 
I get I don't know what they are. They're like bats that sit on the ceiling and they fly down and explode. Like they make a yeah. noise and you can tell when mm-hmm. they're coming. And I kept getting killed by those because I <laughs> I had no idea they were there. So, what about the grubs? Have you been? You have to locate mm-hmm. the grubs by listening to them. Yep, I was just finding yeah. them, but yeah, it's easier mm-hmm. with sound. Yeah, so you definitely owe it to yourself to to play that game with sound for sure. And I will say this game, like it's not a brand new game by any means, but it's it deserves every bit of hype that you've possibly heard of it. You know, it's it's absolutely incredible. And uh, unlike you two, I don't like Dark Souls. But I think what grabs me is I love, you know, Metroid, Castlevania, those style games. Uh, But I also love precision platformer games like Celeste or Super Meat Boy. And I think that element grabs me a lot in this game. Yeah. And and I I have played some of those games, but those those types of precision platformers tend not to grab me, which I think is probably where Hollow Knight lost me. But I'm not I'm not totally averse to it. There's so. There's some not insignificant challenge uh, in, uh, say, Shovel Knight, which is a game I really, really love, and uh, and that that requires some pretty precise platforming from you at times, and I was willing to to get through that. So, I I really need to give Hollow Knight another shot and get back to it. Yeah, I would say definitely do it. And there was a point for me. Uh, like that too, Nick, where I started it the first time I installed it because I heard such great things about it. I played it for about two hours and then just kind of lost interest. Uh, I find that it's one of those games where it's got a particular thing that grabs each person. And I think it was once I stopped kind of meandering and started moving through the world with purpose, like actually trying to, okay, I'm going to go through, like if I die, I die. I know I'm going to die a lot in this game. And you push through that and you start making new discoveries. For me, that's what hooked me is I was like, oh my gosh, I went all the way out to to this part and the biome was really interesting. The atmosphere, the enemies are all different. You know, you got to fight them different ways. I found out that I was going the wrong way, but exploring and like doing crazy things like um, I was using my sword to like, I was like, hitting down and I was jumping off of an an indestructible enemy at the time. And I was bouncing and using them like a fairy all the way across. And I got into an area that I needed like three powers to get to. And I just used the the mechanics of the game before I had those three (laughs) powers to actually get through there. And I was like, Oh, and and when I got those powers, like an hour or two later, I was like, Oh, okay. I was (laughs) was supposed to do that, but, but it was fun. And, and, and it felt, it felt, um, more it was a more rewarding experience for me as a player because it was a lot of discovery that game does not hold your hand at all and once you kind of understand the core system mechanics you understand okay i get these badges they change the way that i play the game this is what i do with my money you open up some shops and the world kind of opens up and with subsequent bosses and and lore dumps and things that you get you get more and more involved with the story so once you find that thing that hooks you, I think that this is going to be um, a, a game that you're really going to enjoy. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think I just haven't hit that tipping point yet, and I got distracted by other things each time I was about to. Like, um, the last time I uh, tried to play it in earnest, I uh, almost immediately got distracted by uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, and then played a whole ton of that and really enjoyed that. And that was what I did with my Switch uh, for the time being. So, 
uh, yeah, I uh, I need to give it the time that it deserves because I I think it I will love it as much as you two do when I get there. I will say it's been a while since I've played a game that has made me so frustrated that I like flex the controller a little bit and I'm like ah. I'm like, <laughs> wait, this is also my console. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have that look to you have that to look forward to as well. Uh, that that's it. I've been playing nothing else. I've been ex- on Hollow Knight since uh, since we last recorded. So, uh, how's your collecting going? Well, it depends who you're asking, me or my wife. <laughs> uh, no, it's going good. Classic. I I'm focusing on NES right now. Um, very specifically on uh, it's almost baseball season so I decided why not try and complete all the baseball games uh, for the NES uh, specifically because I want to have uh, one of my friends over and marathon all of them to determine which one's best and so um, I'm down I have four left uh, they're all really cheap I just can't find them locally so I'm going to have to order them online um, I did pick up the big two though which uh, when I say big relative to other nes games they're not that big but i did pay 75 dollars for a softball game uh and then there and that was dusty diamonds all-star softball and then i bought bases loaded four which is about 40 to 45 dollars not bad yeah so i will say dusty diamonds i'm i'm hoping that that's the name of a character who is running this this league because that is the perfect baseball name it's great the game looks ridiculous. Like it's every it's it feels like if you ever played backyard baseball, like when I was watching videos of it, you pick players one oh, at yeah. a, one at a time for your team and they're all like weird. They're not normal people. They're they're they've got different <laughs> abilities and stuff. So it seems kind of fun and silly. So we'll see. I hope it's good cuz it, otherwise it's just a stupidly expensive softball game. But hey, it'll it gets you that much closer to completing the collection, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, the only ones I have left at this point are Bo Jackson Baseball, uh, Legends of the Diamond, and then RBI Baseball 2 and 3. And I've got everything else, so Ooh. see if I can hunt those down soon. Nice. Well, I, I also bought an NES game, sort of. Uh, recently, uh, the very first Fire Emblem game was, uh, for the first time, uh, re remastered uh with an english uh english translation uh without being totally remade uh like it was on on the ds as fire emblem shadow dragon um it's uh there's some anniversary that this is celebrating i think it's 30th or 35th 30th something like that um i want to i want to say 30th uh because i'm pretty sure mario is celebrating a 35th anniversary yeah oh yeah yeah so it's 30th yeah um but uh that that game is really interesting uh i i have only played a few missions of it but it's fascinating to see how much of modern fire emblem is there and how much of modern fire emblem is missing there's a like the class system is really interesting and uh, has basically stayed pretty similar the whole uh, the whole time through uh, as far as the types of classes you uh, you have access to and uh, the the character development in that each 
character uh, has different stat growths and stat like effectively stat chances to uh, to increase those stats when they level up and uh, and between their class and those growths that determines how useful they'll be and or how useful they could be because leveling up is all random and that's maybe my least favorite thing about fire emblem is that it's about growth percentages and you never know if you're just going to get a bad level up and uh, if you're playing on the really hardcore difficulties that's as much of a reason to restart a level as losing a character but in any case uh i i got that uh fire emblem one uh, re-release in its collector's edition which is a really really cool package uh, it has a little like clear plastic or resin or something um, fake cartridge complete with cartridge art on it uh, in in one of those classic nintendo sleeves um, and it has a really uh, beautiful art book with the uh the characters from this game and its subsequent uh uh subsequent games in the the universe fire emblem is a little like final fantasy in that usually each game in the series goes to a different world with totally new characters but that's not always the case but in any way uh every everywhere that this particular group of characters has ended up uh they this art book has concept art for it uh for each of the characters including the trading card games i didn't realize uh, there was a trading card game for fire emblem that's funny yeah no idea there there's a recent one called fire emblem cypher i don't think it made it to the u.s but there's also uh, an old old trading card game that apparently according to this art book tried to replicate the grid-based like map tactics of fire emblem it's fascinating um i'm very curious and i'll have to see if i can uh track track down uh, an explanation of what that is because uh, i just from a game design sa- standpoint that sounds fascinating but uh what uh what that got me to do after playing a few levels of fire emblem one and thinking this is missing a lot of the things i love about fire emblem uh it got me back to fire emblem awakening for 3ds uh which i i think i may have mentioned on the show or off is perhaps my least favorite of the fire emblems that i've played um the story doesn't grab me super much uh and they're balance of power is a little bit strange between your your units it's a little a little askew but in any case i never ended up actually finishing it and uh, i was relatively new to the series when i first played it so i'm going back through it and having a great time with the knowledge that i have now of how to actually play fire emblem i i remember you mentioning it this is you were saying that with the new knowledge you have, the game is significantly easier than than you when you <laughs> played it before. Yeah, yeah, it, that that game has uh, a handful of difficulty options, 
you can play on normal, hard, or I believe expert or extreme. Uh, and you can also play on classic mode, which uh, is how older Fire Emblems defaulted, uh, which is when a character dies, they die. Uh, but uh, you can also choose to turn that off. And when they die, they're gone for the mission, but they come back afterwards. And uh, I started originally on hard classic, which is pretty punishing. It's it's equivalent to older Fire Emblems, but it's pretty punishing in the early levels. Um, particularly, I got stuck on one mission where uh, there are a couple of very weak units that are uh, added to your army during that mission, and they're a little ways up the field. And so you have to get to them before they get killed, and I just could not manage it at the time. Um, and I just... I, I still struggled a little bit with that uh, with that mission this time, but uh, at the time my solution was to just kick it down to normal from hard, which is way too easy and feels like you're just blowing through it and loses some of the tension that Fire Emblem tends to have. Of uh, you you really particularly because the characters have personalities thin as they may be. Uh, you you get attached to these characters and worry for their lives, especially if they're going to die and disappear forever if they get knocked out. Yeah, that definitely that definitely adds a little bit to it. Uh, makes the battles more. I mean, it makes you think about the battle more. Um, not just in the context of losing a unit, but like that character will no longer participate in the story. I assume because as I've mentioned before, I've never played Fire Emblem before. Yeah, and I I tend to restart missions when i lose characters so i i haven't seen exactly what it's like uh not having those characters around in the the story i know that in um in fire emblem fates at least there are some key characters who are uh not killed but knocked out of combat capability like they're permanently disabled uh by their wounds so they show up in the the cutscenes, but they can't participate in battle anymore so that's their kind of solution for that but well uh, do, do they have you were saying the different difficulties do they have like an iron man mode where you can't save scum so <laughs> if you complete a mission you can't go back to the to your save like you only have one save slot or something like that uh there there isn't uh to my knowledge uh you can kind of self-enforce that but i I think I would tear my hair out uh, because <laughs> because there there is enough randomness in the game um, between like critical hit chances uh, and and crits, whereas in a lot of games critical strike uh, does double damage in this game it's triple, um, and so an out of the blue critical hit can just kill someone out of nowhere and. Uh, yeah. So you're I, talking about having like an infantryman with a pocket knife doing a, a critical <laughs> hit and like stabbing somebody who's like mounted on a horse and just <laughs> annihilating them. And they're like the main character of the game. You're like, what? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that that won't necessarily happen to the main characters. They they seem to like to make the main characters very, very powerful. Um, and uh, particularly in in terms of uh, avoidance chance. So they'll typically not uh, not get hit by that kind of stuff. But 
Um, but you can have a character that you really like, or perhaps you can think, oh, this healer can run forward to heal someone who really needs it, and they're only going to take one attack that's probably not going to kill them. Uh, that's fine, but, uh, but then that one attack crits and they die, and it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the the randomness in the mechanics because it, it can feel amazing when you have say a myrmidon uh, the the sort of duelist swordsman class uh who just stands at a choke point and never gets hit by anything uh because their avoidance chance is so high and um that's that's always an amazing feeling um but at the same time a few lucky hits and your plan goes out the window What's that Mike Tyson quote? Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. <laughs> Perfect. Something fire like emblem that. to a applies team. to fire. Yeah. What about you, Garrett? What have you been up to? Um. Well, uh, I've been playing uh, Elite Dangerous. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show or not, but um, I think you've mentioned been it. Play- been playing with a couple friends and I don't get a whole lot of time to play. So I'll jump in with them and this is the only game they're playing and they're playing it for like 15, 20, sometimes 40 hours a week. And I'm jumping on to do some combat missions. I'm like, Hey guys, they're like, I'm 40 light years away. I'm going to jump over to you. But, um, I've been playing with a, a flight stick. It's been really fun. I played it in both VR and in just a standard 2d format. And it's really fun. Um, but I, I really haven't been able to do anything except for get a new ship because uh, I haven't been able to sink that much time into it. Uh, I have been making substantial progress in my homework game that you guys assigned me, which is Chrono Trigger. Yeah, uh, buddy. Today, today I beat the the Black Tyrannosaurus, and I can't remember his name, but it starts with an A. He's like the um, 65 million BC uh, reptile wizard. Azala, um, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Azala, probably. That sounds right. Those those reptiles are uh, reptites. I think they're called. Uh, they're yeah. they're fun. They're such a fun character design, and really every every character design in that game is amazing. Um, uh, I, we we talked a, a little bit on a uh, an episode we recorded about Chrono Trigger long ago uh, about how uh there's a a dinosaur uh enemy in that that realm that is just this pudgy fat cute uh dinosaur but when you hit it with the electricity attack that it's weak to it'll like tilt its head back and scream in this really funny (laughs) comical way uh uh, that that animation just like comes comes to my mind every once in a while it just makes me happy yeah, that's uh, when I was going through the castle. I was just like, oh, I have lightning too. Let me just lightning to everything and, yeah. <laughs> and then just mop up. And I was playing with um, Chrono, Ayla, and Frog. And so I was just melting everything. Um, but now I'm now I'm going to the future. I got kicked out of the past when magic came out. I, I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to get too much <laughs> into it, but um, I, I have yes, been enjoying it. Please explain the Chrono Trigger timeline. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, I, I have been. I have been enjoying it. Um, I find myself sometimes annoyed because I don't think it's it's challenging enough. But I don't remember when you start the game. Can you? Is there a difficulty selection? No, no. Um, 
but the, the combat is really fun. I really like getting the new abilities and, and finding out the new combos and getting new tech. Uh, it's pretty cool. The story yeah. is very, very interesting. I also really dig the characters, so I see why it is a, is a it is a beloved favorite. And I think it's aged uh, pretty well uh, for for an older game. But I could also see where if you played it at the time, it would have blown your mind uh, if you were playing it when it first <laughs> came out. Uh, but Absolutely. I, yeah, I, and like. It came out, I forget which one came first, but it was pretty pretty much within a year of Final Fantasy VI, another incredible game of the era and uh, of a similar vein. And I can, I can only imagine what it would have been like to have those two games. Uh, well, which... I'm going to be... I'm going to be full of hot takes for you, Nick, because uh, I know that you guys were gushing over the soundtrack in our first episode Don't of Co-Hops. Say it. Oh, it's not particularly impressive to me other than oh. the feet that like you told me about the production and like, I can definitely, I can definitely understand it. Like, uh, like the significance of it, but it is not something that I would sit there and listen to because I'm like, please just make the battle theme end. I'm so tired of the battle theme. Uh, I I'm done. And the first time I go into the worlds, I'm like, this is great. But when you time hop and you go back and forth everywhere, uh, it, it just, I don't know. It, it's kind of indicative of RPGs of that era where for me, it, it just doesn't, it's the same thing over and over and over again, which I, to, I totally understand the limitations, but at the same time, I'm like, there, there's one song. Um, I can't remember what town it's in, but you go and there's the, it has white fur and they like to spin, but there's one guy, he's playing a piano. It's a monster. And he's playing a piano. And it's like, do you want to, me to play something uplifting or something sad and when you do the uplifting song that's my favorite song of the game so far i don't uh, actually remember what song that is but i know the exactly what you're talking about i just likewise can't, i can't recall what the song is so i'll have to look it up yeah and, and I'm, I'm not particularly a fan of like if i'm going to listen to something on my own i'm not particularly a fan of um kind of like the the chiptune 16-bit kind of stuff uh so that's probably why i don't like it as much i definitely appreciate the effort that was put forth to get to get this game done and to get this the score done and how many of the tracks that the um, composer did themselves uh but yeah it's for me i'm like this is kind of a final fantasy soundtrack i don't know it, it just doesn't grab me but yeah. that, that's my that's my hot take for the week <laughs> i have a yeah, really important I... question for you how much did you enjoy the jet bike race I hated it. <laughs> Correct it's so, answer. It's yeah. so dumb because it's like I just waited until the end and then went boost and then I win. And yeah. I went. It's so stupid. Okay. So you, you just play bumper. And every time you use the jet bike, luckily oh. I, got, I got to the other side of that and I found the, the time portal. So now I never have to do it again. Yeah. Hopefully. If I ever had to, had to go back through there, I intentionally walked. I was like, fuck this jet bike race. <laughs> I, just, I know it's faster, but I'm not going to do it. I didn't even know that you could walk. Yeah, you can totally I just thought skip you it, had yeah. to use the jet bike. And I found I found something when I got to the other side that was like a race recorder and I'm like I don't even care to <laughs> no. know what no. this does. I'm just going to I'm just going to go. I don't want to race this guy anymore. It it continues the Final Fantasy tradition of vastly overestimating how much you care about uh tracking and uh and perfecting the mini games. That whole section just felt like uh, 
Nintendo says we have to put something mode seven in here, so let's uh let's do this. It really did feel like that. And like man, even the song it plays is this weird like That's one of the few tracks that was by uh Uematsu actually. Was that Oh that's that funny. Yeah. Because it's it's I recall thinking it's one of my least favorite. It's not good. I don't like it. No, I, it may be tainted by the terrible uh, part of the game that it's associated with. That that might be true. Uh, one one of these days, I think we should all play Chrono Cross. Uh, I think that's that's a uh, soundtrack that you might uh, respond a little better to. It's fully orchestrated, and the stuff that makes uh, this composer different from uh, and his style different from the typical uh final fantasy style is really accentuated in the chrono cross soundtrack the sort of international and particularly celtic uh um, inspirations and instrumentation um it's really cool i'd be down yeah, for I'd, it i've got I'd, a copy of it so <laughs> i i'm down i'll, I'll borrow zach's ps1 and his <laughs> uh, his copy and i will play it on my the only tv in my house that still has uh was it red, red, yellow, white inputs Compo- or whatever? What composite. are those called? Composite. There you go. Yeah, I still have a TV that does that. Wait, you it's mean like you a... don't have a CRT TV? Oh, let's let's not go through this. <laughs> I have three. You can borrow one. No, I don't need. I don't need it. At the beginning of the show, I was talking about how I'm buying digital games. I'm pretty sure I've talked at length about it on the podcast, so I won't go over it again. But yeah, I'm trying to get less clutter in my life. So all digital for me is great. So the fact that you have this library, I can go to Zach's library or I can text you and I could be like, hey, I, you probably have this game and this system. Can you bring it to my house? <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, Zach's game game delivery and rental service there you uh, was born. <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure yeah. there is a way that you can get Chrono Cross digitally these days. Uh, I'm pretty sure I uh, I have it on vita at least and could probably play it on my ps3 hmm. yeah that's uh, an, I, it definitely is on vita i know that for sure so that's always an option garrett you could borrow my vita mm-hmm. alternatively there we go if you wanted your own playstation copy you can get it from the square enix store for 14.99 they still have copies in stock of a playstation one game oh wow that's wow. funny hmm. okay <laughs> well uh if you don't, if you don't mind, I'll I'll roll into news. No, because uh, everything that I want to talk about has to do with news, and uh, people can give me feedback if they're tired of my subjects for news because it's mainly going to be fighting game related. Hey, whatever. But there, but there's some really cool stuff that's happening, and something that happened last night. I'm actually we're recording this a day after we had planned to uh, record the podcast, and I'm glad that that happened because some news came out last night about my favorite fighting game of all time, Dragon Ball Fighter Z. So they announced the the new character. There was a teaser a couple months back when they released um, a character named Super Baby 2. Ridiculous, I know. Great. <laughs> um, I love it. But now uh, uh, it's the fusion of the two main characters of the game, Goku and Vegeta. Anyway, they usually show you the character. They have a professional, like, play them on stream and then go, like, this is, you know, you get an idea of the character before you, you invest in it. And they're like, oh, it drops uh, middle of next week. So it comes out March 10th if you're a season pass holder and March 12th if you just want to buy the single character off the store. And he has some pretty insane mechanics. Like one of the mechanics of the game is gathering Dragon Balls and it's a comeback mechanic. You can like revive allies and stuff. Uh, He just has a move. You hit two buttons and he just gets a Dragon Ball. 
Um, he also has the only nuke how, in the game. Can you remind me how you get Dragon Balls yeah. otherwise? So you have you either do a combo that's 20 hits or more, or you do a full auto combo, which is hitting the light attack button six times in a row. And you just you do combo, combo, combo on the ground, knock them up in the air, hit light three more times, knock them back down, and you get a Dragon Ball. And once, um, and, and it's shared between so both sides. So that's how I always so, got Dragon Balls. Mashing buttons, got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and what happens is uh, the way to activate it when you have seven, because they're shared. They're, it's not one player or the other, it's shared. So both players can earn them and they total up to seven. So if you have seven, you have seven bars of super. The next person to do the auto combo string, which is the six light attacks, or a combo over 20, uh, you summon Shenron, which is the magical dragon from from Dragon Ball, and you can revive an ally. You can get an extra pip charge of like um, doing double damage. You can heal your current character, or um, you get like all your meter back or something like that. Um, but anyway, it's 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 crazy. It's a crazy comeback mechanic that is rarely used in competitive. But they have a character which part of their gimmick is now instantly getting Dragon Balls which can be an assist. So you could just have him in the background, Whoa. call him out and he goes, bah! and then he, <laughs> you get a dragon ball um, or you can add it into your combo string. So you can do, you know, light, medium, heavy, and then do the input for it. And then he just does like an explosion and you get a dragon ball. Um, they also have the first true nuke in the game. So this character has a taunt. And if you taunt seven times, it builds up a level uh, it's going to be really kind of difficult to do it, um, I think, but you have to taunt seven times and then you do his level three, which is known as a meteor attack. So it's a really powerful, like fully animated super attack. It does nine, uh, yeah, 19,800 or 19,980 damage, uh, which one health bar is 10,000. Oh. So it's just, and it, it will just melt any character instantly if you, if you hit off of it. And and you they don't block it, and the reason it's one nine nine eight zero is it's nineteen ninety eight, which is when the character first came into the show. Oh, that's, oh, that's fun. Um, that's cute. Yeah. So so, um, one of the guys that I watch uh, on on YouTube and stream, he's big in the fighting game community. His name is Maximilian, dude. He put out a video about it, and he was just like, "This character is an anti esports character, and I love it <laughs> uh, <laughs> because it's just like all of the gimmicks are. Uh, you can tell that the game is like reaching its end. So I'm really excited for them to announce production on a sequel because uh, I think there's a lot of really cool things that can improve about the game. But also, wouldn't be disappointed if they did a season four. Dragon Ball yeah. Fighterzers, Fighterzers, um, the Fighterist, uh, the, the, <laughs> the Fighterist, I like the that. Ultra." ultra fighterist uh, <laughs> yeah ultra Guilty dragon Gear. ball fighters <laughs> i mean capcom has done it with street fighter 4 they had like seven different versions of the game totally. and it ended with like ultra super street fighter 4 i think was the the last one let me tell you as somebody who bought the base game i was very upset <laughs> i was just like what is this oh yeah this is so stupid yeah, Capcom and like iterating on their their things and then making you pay more money. They did it with Street Fighter Five too, um, or Street Fighter Five as well. Uh, they had three different versions of the game because it was Street Fighter Five, Street Fighter Five Arcade Edition. Now it's Street Fighter Five Champions Edition, and then they did Street Fighter Five Champions Edition plus Season Five, which is they've confirmed as the last thing for the game, and it's just like wow. Okay, like I, I understand the support and everything, but when you're reiterating and, and changing the name of the game, uh, I really like the way that 
but Dragon Ball's done it because they just add seasons. And it's like, this is the season pass and you're going to get this many characters. Great. They haven't changed the name to Dragon Ball (laughs) Fighters, the fighterist, you know, which, uh, um, but yeah, speaking, speaking of fighting games, this will be the last thing that I'll talk about for news, but, um, Guilty Gear Strive got delayed. It was supposed to come out April 9th. It got pushed back to June 11th due to the feedback of the beta. So, um, if you haven't listened, I think I talk about it on the, the last episode, uh, about the thing, all the things that I disliked about it are the things that are directly being worked on, which is the lobby system. And then the, the network connectivity, like the, just the general online experience. Cause the game fantastic. When you get a match, it is probably the best fighting experience I've had online where it feels very fair and balanced and it doesn't feel like you lose because of a connection, but everything else around the game is just not great. So they are putting it back in the oven for a few more months and I'm totally okay with it. Yeah. I, I, I was happy to have been uh, talking to you while you discovered this information that it was getting delayed because it was a, it was a great, um, uh, a great transition of, oh no, it's getting delayed. Oh, this is why it's getting delayed. This is great. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I am always for. I've just been burned by so many early access games. So many things rush to market just because they've got to sell X amount of units, and then they're like, "We'll fix it later." I really don't like that culture of of video game development. And I understand there are you know powers of be and businesses and things that they have to do to, to move things forward and to, to make budget. But, you know, releasing a, a beta of the game or a public preview where people can take a look at it and really be critical about it. And then there's overwhelming feedback and it's very obvious that there are, are glaring issues with the game. And then the game just goes, yeah, it's released and uh, we'll fix it later. It just kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth. So I'm kind of done with like early access type games, uh, unless, I don't know that there's like an overwhelming response that it's something that I, I have to play because I just I'm done playing broken games. Yeah, I just want to I, I want to play the game as it was designed and intended. Um, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Um, it's I I don't know. I, I feel like when I play a game, I want to have the full experience because I I think back to things like um, like Nuclear Throne. I played in early access, and I really enjoyed, uh, but uh, a bunch of things were added to that game that are fundamental to how it works that were added after I stopped playing it, and my experience was just diminished compared to that of somebody who came to it later. And uh, so... I I haven't played a game that was early access in quite a while. Uh I think Player Unknown's Battlegrounds was the last one, but like even with all the the fuss about Valheim, I'm not particularly interested in checking it out until it gets a real release. And even as much as I love Super Giants games, uh I didn't play Hades until it came out in 1.0 and I'm very glad that I waited cuz in 1.0 that game is basically perfect. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. Speaking of Hades, I have a note uh, here that it's getting a physical Switch release, which is really cool. Um, yeah. I bought the game digitally, and I will probably buy it physical just to own it because it's so good. Me too, and I don't even typically do that. It's just, yeah, it's a beautiful game. I Easily my favorite game of last year. I could talk for hours about it. 
Um, I just wanted to mention uh, a big announcement this past week was all the Pokemon things that are happening. Um, yeah, that's that's exciting for me as a as a big fan of Pokemon, and uh, particularly because they're remaking Diamond and Pearl, which I missed. Um, there was a time period where I didn't play any of the games because I just didn't have any of the systems available at the time. I was kind of uh, poor, living on my own, and so couldn't afford anything and um so this will be my first experience with them and i'm really hoping that it's done well it's not developed by um the same company though so it's it's going to be i forgot to write down the name of the company but uh, some other company is handling it so that'll be curious yeah. to oh, see this is not game freak no it's it's kind of unusual that a pokemon game is going to be developed by someone else and i don't know if we've said it but this is uh, diamond and pearl are getting remade as brilliant diamond and shining pearl uh this is perhaps my least favorite generation of pokemon games but uh in the past they've made pretty massive changes to the structure of these games in the in the remakes in stuff like alpha sapphire and omega ruby so i'll be curious to see if they can improve it and and make it rise above where it was before but even the worst pokemon game still pretty excellent so i'm i'm excited for this too i will say yeah, this oh go ahead garrett sorry i was gonna say this is one where um i'll probably get back into it mainly because uh i purchased the the monster hunter switch because my wife is hopelessly addicted to animal crossing and now um is playing um the new harvest moon that just came out last tuesday and is just will not give up the switch so i'm not going to be able to play monster hunter so i i purchased my own switch which is coming out on the 26th when monster hunter comes out but when she heard about the pokemon remake she's like can we get both so that i can trade with you so i don't have to bug everyone because when she played shield she played it obsessively and was like hounding every person that we knew that played sword like can you please like i have (laughs) all of these pokemon that i want to give you because she is a massive collector in games and she wanted to complete the pokedex and so uh, it's something where I think that we can have a shared experience and we're always trying to find games to play together. And it's really hard because we like very different types of games, but I'm okay with, with doing that. Um, it'll be fun to play together. So I'll be interested if they do any type of revamped co-op mechanics like they did in the new games. Um, cause she told me about playing online with her friends and being able to roam around in like this open area. Uh, I don't, I'm, I don't think that they'll do that, but if they did it, that would be kind of fun cause it's more interactive than, us playing two separate games and then trading digital ones and zeros together. I will say the the more exciting announcement for me out of it was the, and I'm, I don't know if it's Arceus is the proper way to pronounce it, but um, it's going to be an open world Pokemon game. And it's uh, kind of got some, looks like uh, some Breath of the Wild-ish elements. Uh, and the very little bit that, that was previewed on it looks absolutely awesome and and i really hope that it does well and because this would be an amazing direction for the series to go i think yeah i don't know much about it and i'm anxious i mean if they're going to do something different than they've done in the last however many years pokemon's been out it'll be interesting what 1996 (laughs) (laughs) they they had there's a little bit of open world in sword and shield and those are um those zones are some of my favorite parts of that game so i'm uh i i think this could 
do really well. I'm really excited for this. Um, I'm, yeah. Uh, curious, apprehensive. Um, you never know. Uh, and I believe it takes like. place in the same region as Diamond and, and Pearl. The Sinnoh region. I think that, if I remember seeing that correctly. That would make sense. Um, by the way, I looked up the developer who's taking the lead on Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Uh, it's a studio called ILCA that appears to be something of a support studio, uh, kind of like Iron Galaxy, uh, at least used to be, um, of just helping out with the with various other big projects. But uh, according to the the source that I was looking at, they also developed that Hatsune Miku Dominoes app. Do you guys recall that at all? I have no idea what that is. I what I understood Dominoes. Uh, <laughs> I did not understand the first part. So, are you talking about Dominoes like the um, like the the game or Dominoes Pizza? Domino's Pizza uh, did a sponsorship partnership with Hatsune Miku the Vocaloid, uh, and I I forget exactly what this app entailed, but I recall uh, there being special pizza boxes in in Japan that had some kind of QR type something on the top of it where if you fired up this app and you pointed your phone at the pizza box, Hatsune Miku would like dance on top of the pizza box. That sounds so very Japanese. Oh yeah. It's delightful. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so, so I mean, I, I will Google this later, but can you tell me what a Vocaloid is? I feel... <laughs> oh. <laughs> what is a Vocaloid? So, is this going to create like some kind of crazy tangent? What's it going to awaken in Garrett? I was about to say exactly <laughs> that. Um, so, well, uh, I'll, pre- I'll preface this by saying I'm not exactly an expert on Vocaloids, but... Um, that's the uh, disclaimer you... to prevent all the uh, the questionable mail that he's going to get. Oh, oh yes. Wait, the, wait. Oh. The weeb hate will be very strong. <laughs> not not to not to cut you off, Nick. But can I make a guess, and then you can tell me if I'm right or wrong? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm kind of envisioning it as all right. So like the band, the band Gorillas. It's actual people, but they have like a a, a cartoon character that is like. Hey, this is the representation of of the band of the art of the music are these cartoons and not the actual people behind it. Is that like what this is? Is it some kind of you said you said Japan, so yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assume Japanese like pop singer, but it's probably some type of anime girl, right? So you're you're halfway there. So it is Okay. It is a a I'm like scared. a cartoon character representation of uh of a a musical performer. Uh, but instead of being a real person, these are uh, basically voice packs for a computer-generated singing program. And so uh, you Hatsune Miku being the most popular of them, but there are a whole bunch of them, and they're all characters with their own personalities, but it's a, a recognizable singing voice that you can... Uh, just put the the phonemes and the the musical notes into and she'll sing your song and so a bunch of songs have done like collaborations with Hatsune Miku and used the program as their singer for for that song Uh, and yeah her in particular got pretty popular and has expanded into all all kinds of stuff so if you've heard the name of a vocaloid it's probably probably her but it's it's a fascinating tech thing and as the tech gets better it's it gets harder to tell that these are robots 
uh, singing. Uh, early on, it was <laughs> much, much rougher, uh, like any sort of computer-generated anything. There's a lot but, less tentacles in that story than I expected. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure some weird band has made some kind <laughs> of song with Hatsune Miku singing about how much she loves tentacles, but it's beyond my frame of reference. Um, I don't have anything else to call it news-wise. I think that was that was it for me. Did you have anything you wanted to mention, Nick? Before we um, get to the question of the episode, there there were uh, a few other various like live stream announcements uh, during this this period of time. Uh, PlayStation did a state of play live stream there first in quite a while, and um, they announced that the Final Fantasy VII remake is getting a new edition coming to PlayStation Five. Uh, called Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. It's getting all the upgrades you would expect visually, but it also has a couple of new chapters starring Yuffie, uh, which look pretty cool. I'm I'm excited for this. I really love everything, every moment that I've played of fi- of the Final Fantasy VII Remake, even despite not loving Final Fantasy VII, the original, particularly much. I came to it late enough that... Uh, the the weird pacing problems and the the inconsistent tone and that kind of thing were uh were not as forgivable as they might have been at the time um but and i thought i had a hot take on this episode i know <laughs> right yeah I'm, I'm really bringing it um Let but me tell that... you, it was like a 10 year old kid final fantasy 7 blew my mind yeah i bet and and like technically it's pretty amazing but it has not aged especially well and it's terrible now part of that is ooh, i'm glad i'm not alone no Um, it's aged so poorly i've tried to play it a couple times um throughout the years because it is one of my favorite games of all time when i look back upon it but it does not hold up and and a lot of that i i think is uh due to the the translation and the localization and um the the way that they did that and like the the writing in this remake is just amazing it's it's so great and even the like practically throwaway characters of uh the little like eco-terrorist group you hang out with early on in the game uh they're they all how dare you refer to avalanche's throwaway characters yeah well they're not anymore they're it's amazing they're all like real people that you care about and like i i want cloud to hook up with jesse except she's too good for him so whatever <laughs> but i i'm with you i actually have not finished final fantasy 7 remake garrett bought it for me actually and uh i played a good chunk of it and i um I got distracted by something that's what always happens but um uh, it's on my list i need to get back to it because it was uh similarly to like you said everything you played of it was uh, incredible so we don't have video yet but the entire time zach was speaking i was shaking my head in such <laughs> like disdain disappointment like zach always told me so for context i never played final fantasy 7 and when they said that they were going to do the remake i was like great i'll play it then i'll get context i loved it raved about it and zach's like oh yeah i'm thinking about getting it you know da 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 and i was just like happy birthday dude play it i just finished it it's amazing and especially since you played the original game and have the context <laughs> you're gonna love it too zach's like oh, i'm so stoked and then a couple weeks later, I'm like, hey, Zach's on Counter-Strike. <laughs> Counter-Strike isn't Final Fantasy VII. Not Final Fantasy VII sure, Remake. Sure what? 
What is going on? Did they add cloud? Is cloud an operator now? I'll pref. I'll, I'll give a little bit of uh, an excuse for myself, which is that my PS4 had a lot of issues uh, playing disc games, and it was very frustrating to get to play anything because the disc drive was failing. Now that I have a PS5, that excuse doesn't work anymore. But that that is a little bit of the reasoning. And just wait until what is it June that the the update comes out? June tenth. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it sounds like you can uh, pay a little bit. I don't think they've announced how much to upgrade your um, uh, your PS4 base version for uh, with the intergrade content. Um, but if I if I recall correctly, you get the visual upgrades. Uh, you just have to pay for the extra stuff with Yuffie. So uh, so yeah, uh, now. Now I have an excuse for my procrastination, and now I can wait until June 10th. Uh, hey, it's like what I said about God of War. <laughs> it's a procrastinating paid off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I will play it. I just It's one of those things I have to get to. My PlayStation 4 backlog is so absurd because of the uh, aforementioned disc issues. So I have so many games. I just kept buying them, and then I would go to try to play them, and I'd get frustrated that they wouldn't load, and I would just give up. So especially as such a strong proponent of physical media as you are. Um, like I, I have never seen someone with such an averse reaction to the suggestion of buying something digitally. That's disgusting. How dare you? <laughs> hey, but Nick, it benefits both of us because like I said, Zach's game library, because chances are he's not playing 99.8% of his collection. Oh yeah. So that means, Hey, are you not, playing it right this second hey can i borrow that dude <laughs> he's the library of congress of video games it, it, he really is and i appreciate you for that zach but also i'm sure that your wife does not appreciate that <laughs> listen i don't i don't know that i've mentioned it on here but uh i will say this i prefer physical games because there there's three big reasons one i can lend them to my friends and Yay. i enjoy that aspect of it uh, the second is that I actually own a physical product. I can sell it. I can trade it. You know, whatever the case may be, I actually have something that is worth money that I put into it. And the third is that if for some reason the store goes down, and we've seen this happen, it's already happened with the Wii eShop, like I still have the game that I bought. So those are the mm-hmm. three big reasons. My, my big argument would be for, for new games, right? Uh, new games which require like as you stick it into the device a not only an install off of the disc but like a day one patch so like we're looking at you know yeah it's pretty bullshit about, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah well well but yeah you're talking about like you know your nes games right those are physical ram cartridges that you stick into something there's no update uh you get to just play it it's just there um when we get to you know maybe even 10 years down the road and you go, Oh, let me dust off my Xbox one. And you like stick a game into that. Chances are, if Microsoft has turned off that service, even if you have the physical disc, you're not going to be able to do anything with that at all. And especially with like, other than the game stonks thing that's happening right now, like GameStop as like a physical media trading, you know, is going to go away and it's going to be collectors. And at that point you're going to be collecting the disc with like the box. Now I'm not saying anything against it, collect whatever you want to collect. That's great. This is just my personal justification for going digital because I look at my steam library and I go, Oh yeah, 
how many of those physical PC games do I own? <laughs> Zero. And and with the with the lending to friends and things, I am not averse to doing like the account sharing. I know that Xbox has gotten a lot more restrictive. You can only switch. I think it's like five consoles per year. But like PlayStation, um, you can still do account switching and um, uh, the Nintendo the Nintendo Switch you can. And then obviously with Steam, you can do like friends and family library and be able to share libraries and stuff, which is really good and convenient for the physical media. But yeah, I, I really like having uh, like as I get older, me personally, I'm like I'm looking at all these games that I have that I did put money into that are just sitting on the shelf. And for me, I know that there's people like Zach out there. that are like, Hey, I'm waiting for that game in my collection. Or I have a friend that's like, Oh, I never got to play that game. And I get to give it to him. Like uh, Zach just gave me uh, 99 nights, which I have fond memories of from the Xbox 360. It's kind of a dynasty warriors type game. And I'm very thankful that Zach is a collector and I get to <laughs> get to borrow and or have things from him. He's helping me complete my Monster Hunter collection. But uh, I just I find it harder and harder to justify to purchase physical modern games, knowing like the infrastructure that's behind it and that that will go away. And I will not be able to play on my 50 cent disc <laughs> <laughs> that has now become a Frisbee. Yeah, that kind of gets I totally to totally get it. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Sorry. That, that kind of gets to our point uh, from earlier of the early access thing of games getting released unfinished and um, games come come out uh, come in so hot off the uh, off the runway that you often get day one patches that fix the game and make it playable. And cyberpunk, anyone? Oh boy, that. Oh, that's although a, minus that's a whole... the playable part <laughs> for real. Um, yeah, yeah, you get situations like that where sometimes it'll take months or years for a game to reach its significant functionality, and you look at all the live service games, things like Rainbow Six Siege, where that disc became not necessarily meaningless, but uh, it was it what they sold at launch was a, such a different thing from what that game became. So I, I think that's part of why I can uh, justify going digital to some extent too. Um, I do like having the physical copies of games that I really like and want to see on the shelf, but eh, they take up space and honestly, I don't want to get up and change the disc. <laughs> More often than not, it's like, Nintendo games. That's pretty much the cartridges. I'm keeping those. You know that that's about it. If it's a if it's a if it's a frisbee, I don't I don't really care anymore. <laughs> so funny you mention that because like Switch games are the only ones that don't require an install, right? Like they might have. I should say for yeah. the most part, there are a couple, but um, unless you're a 2K game, oh. exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, it's like maybe there's an update that needs to be installed, but otherwise, it's just plug plug and go. And so that's something I do appreciate about the Switch is that. I can just grab a brand new cartridge, plug it in, and I'm playing right away. I don't have to wait for the stupid thing to install. Um, I I can't fault anyone for going digital at this point. Like, it totally makes sense. It's just my collector's mentality combined with the fact that I really enjoy being able to just hand someone a game and be like, play this game. You don't have to buy it because I already bought it. That's that's a big Mm -hmm. thing for me. I I do like that, and I think that part of it for me was when the Xbox one and PS4 was coming out 
and they there was the big you know oh. all, obviously the console wars and everything and and xbox had such a negative reaction and all, and all this other stuff that's what started getting me like critically thinking about modern about modern gaming and like what i was going to do with it too as far as like the the physical copies that are out there um but yeah it, it I, I reap from from uh, I reap the benefits of Zach's uh, collecting nature and uh, and Nick too. I, I borrowed stuff from Nick too, physical media from Nick, and so yeah. I don't think that that's ever going to go away. Um, but but I definitely am a lot more selective with my physical purchases nowadays. Now there are some digital games I buy. Obviously, like you can't really buy physical PC games anymore, so those are all digital. Um, and if there's a massive sale, I'll buy something digital instead of physical, especially if the physical copy is like a limited run games one. That's like a hundred dollars. It's like, I'll pay, I'll pay $5 for the digital version instead. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Limited run is, is very cool, particularly for people like you, because it's making these games that used to only be available through digital distribution available to buy physically. So, uh, things like the, the Hades, uh, physical version, um, that that we're talking about uh which i think might be coming through limited run i could be wrong maybe um super giant is figuring it out themselves but um certainly stuff like um dead cells which i almost bought a physical copy of or um i'm guessing the hollow knight physical copy that you got was probably through limited run um you know, I actually didn't look at the. I, I would have to double check it to tell you. Uh, uh, one that I recently purchased was uh, Scott Pilgrim. I pre-ordered that, so um, oh, that's yeah. through that's through limited run, and that was you know a fairly recent re-release that prior had been stuck on the Xbox 360. So, um, and actually, it was stuck on the Xbox 360. If you already owned it, you couldn't even get it again. So, pretty yep, pretty excited for that one. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the World and Marvel versus Capcom Two oh, yeah. cannot buy those, and I regularly fire w- would fire up my 360 for those. Um, but now I just yeah I bought it digitally for ten bucks or whatever it was on the on the Xbox Store, and I'm like cool. And now I get to relive this game because it is one of the best side scroller beat 'em ups, especially if you've watched the movie or you're you enjoy the comics like. It's just, it's fun. It's a really good game. It reminds me of the old, like, X-Men and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles side-scrollers I'd play in the arcades as a kid, and, and um, it's just, it's wacky, it's fun, especially if you can play couch co-op. It's the best. So I missed out on it prior, but I I have a love-hate relationship with beat-em-up games. Like, I, there are some that I really enjoy. Like, I have such fond memories of playing Double Dragon 2 with my cousin, like, at our grandpa's house just co-oping that game. But then there's other games that are just so garbage. And so I've heard nothing but good things about this. So when they announced it was coming to limited run games, I, I pre-ordered a physical copy because I wanted to make sure I had that. Yeah, um, and to answer your question, Nick, I just looked up. It's Fangamer put out Hollow Knight. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Um, I know they've put out a lot of Hollow Knight merch, so it makes sense that that would, that would be through them. Um, yeah, on, on the topic of beat-em-ups, I have only relatively recently come to have a respect for the genre. I I had the sort of feeling about it that I did about Musou, like Dynasty Warriors type games of it. I, I had not found one that felt satisfying. It all felt very thin and simple. But uh, 
because it was on Xbox Game Pass, I gave Streets of Rage 4 a try and found that super satisfying and, and to have more depth than I was expecting. So that kind of turned me around and I never actually played Scott Pilgrim. So I might give that a try too, because um, yeah, trying Streets of Rage 4, even though it didn't have uh, the same quality of soundtrack that I really loved listening to from the, the earlier games. Uh, this one, it just wasn't the same for me, but um, but the gameplay was just uh, exactly where where it needed to be. If I recall, the Streets of Rage games are like some of the best beat em ups. I think there's one turd in the bunch, but otherwise they're pretty pretty well loved. I know three's a a, a weird one. Um, having done done some research into it, it's it makes some interesting choices, but is not necessarily all bad. So since we've gone from news to talking about beat 'em ups, um, I guess <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless anybody has something else to say, uh, we should probably get to our question of the episode. Absolutely, let's do it. Uh, so this question comes from my friend Mike. Um, we were trying to source a question, so I shot him a shot him a message, and I said, "Hey, uh, we need a question. Anything related to video games? What do you want to know?" And he said, uh, "What is?" your most memorable video game glitch or cheat. And Garrett, when I mentioned this, you immediately had something come to your mind. And in the notes, all you wrote yeah. was MM in parentheses, boom. And I have no idea what this is. So, uh, there's a Microsoft Studios game back in the day. I was playing this on, I don't know, probably Windows 98 or Windows XP. I had my Microsoft Sidewinder gamepad. Oh, I know what game this is. And, as soon as you said this, uh, I know what this is. <laughs> motocross madness 2 and uh uh i would play it and it's not i don't know what if you would consider it a glitch or a cheat but i thought it i thought it was a glitch at the time because i wasn't on internet message boards like i didn't know anybody else that played this game so to me i was like i found this thing and there was this one map and i believe it was called canyons and it was just a big desert map but the physics in the game allowed you to drive like straight up a side of the cliff and when you get up to the top of the cliff, it's just flat. There's skybox and then flat. And if you drive at full speed towards the skybox after you get on top of the mountain, there's a huge explosion noise and it throws your motor your motorcycle and your character across the map. And <laughs> I would get hours of enjoyment. I think it was like seven or eight. And my friends and I would be yeah. howling laughing at just like, okay, okay, it's my turn, it's my turn. And then we would just do that <laughs> thing and drive off and just kaboom. And then, oh, the, the character also goes, ah, as you're like <laughs> flying this just ragdoll body flying across and you just get back up on your motorcycle. And um, man, as soon as you said video game glitch, I was like, that this is the one that sticks out of my mind. It's really funny because I, I know this and I had forgotten it existed until you just were saying this. And <laughs> and it's coming, it's like flooding back to me as a memory of me doing the exact same thing because it, it was very mm -hmm. funny as a kid. Like just seeing this guy skyrocket across the map as he just gets ejected from the skybox was so funny. Well, and it's like I can hear, I can clearly hear it. Like in in my mind, the the kaboom noise, it's like a cannon <laughs> of, you, of you getting shot across the map. And it was just... Yeah. yeah, immediately when you said the question, I, I knew this is the one I wanted to share. And I, I'm guessing that that if you if they didn't do that, uh, you would be able to just like go past where the map is and fall through the, the world. 
Um, but that's that's so funny to me that they they actually thought of that and planned for it and recorded sound effects or used stock sound effects or whatever um, uh, for the eventuality that somebody would try to break it and go beyond the bounds of the game. That's awesome. Yeah, I never played the story of the game, mind you. <laughs> uh, I I would just boot that game up which of course took like five to 10 minutes <laughs> and I would drive off the cliff and just laugh hysterically. And that, that was it. That was the game to me. Motocross madness too. My experience with that game, my memory of that game is going to my grandma's house and she had a computer that was more capable than the one I had at home. And I would load the game up. She was like one of the three games she owned for when we came over and I would bring my sidewinder controller and I'd plug it in. And I would play this game and I have no idea what the game was about. I just drove around. That's all I did. Yep. That's it. It's it's very funny. I haven't <laughs> thought about that game in years. Holy cow. I don't that's think a, I ever played it. I, that doesn't throwback. even bring any... It doesn't ring any bells. Um, that's so funny that you both have these these memories of it. And it's like, <laughs> wait, what? Is that like a Trials? What's going on? <laughs> Just a 3D motocross game where you did tricks and jumped off stuff. And I'm sure that there was an objective, but when you did free play... <laughs> In this one map, you could launch yourself across the map. Fantastic. I wonder if it's on GOG. Oh, man. That'd be great. (laughs) What about you, Nick? What came to mind when you heard this? Man, uh, I... Gosh, there there were a few things that came to mind. Um, uh, One is uh, just to tease it a a story I'll tell in another episode um, uh, about a really bad game called Vampire Rain. Um, but it's, it's not really a glitch. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, I, yeah, I can't, can't remember any memories of glitches, um, in, in my growing up. But, uh, when I was playing games as a kid, I generally liked to kind of reach beyond my grasp as it were. And, uh, I, played a lot of stuff that i really had no business playing like the first time i played fire emblem uh, like leisure suit larry Ooh, oh boy <laughs> uh <laughs> it wasn't 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 quite so much uh like that but it was more stuff that i uh i was not prepared for the difficulty or the tactics of uh and i really particularly liked pc shooters um stuff like half-life um that i did not as a kid have the reflexes to actually play uh and succeed at um i just hadn't hadn't developed uh those those skills yet so i would use cheats and i would turn on god mode or give myself all the weapons or whatever uh and i'd use it to get through these games that were a little a little beyond my my grasp um and yeah that was that was a lot of fun um getting to sort of experience stuff that was maybe not necessarily intended for me. And I think as accessibility options get more widespread in games, there are more, more options for people like kid me who wanted to, uh, to check out stuff that, uh, was maybe not, uh, not typically within their reach, but as far as glitches are concerned, there are all kinds of fantastic, interesting glitches that you can see out there. Um, a lot of them are featured in speedruns and some really interesting exploits that can help you through a game faster. Um, the one that, that comes to mind 
is another terrible game uh, called Big Rigs Over the Road Racing. There are a lot of really fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those like bargain. It sounds excellent. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, There's there's some great stuff out there. Um, There's a classic video review from GameSpot uh, of, of this game. But. There's so many fascinating design oversights in this game, including um, my my favorite is that um, so in, in racing games, like with normal cars, there's something of a speed limiter. As you accelerate, you accelerate to a certain point and then you kind of can't can't get any faster. Well, they didn't think to apply that to when you go in reverse. <laughs> and so when you go in reverse, you just accelerate and you keep accelerating and you never stop accelerating to faster and faster speeds. That's um, amazing. So, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing to see if you just accelerate backwards in circles and then just let go of the sideways uh, uh, motion. You will just zip right off the map. It's delightful. I I haven't actually played a copy of this game. I don't know where you can find a copy of this game, but watching videos of it is hysterical. I'm going to find one just for us to play. Fantastic. What first came to mind for me was, I well, a couple of the things that first came to mind, I was like, wait, those aren't glitches. Those are just secrets. You know, like they're things that were built into the game. And um, I had to think on this one a little bit. It was actually kind of hard for me. So for cheats, the first big one that comes to mind is any grand theft auto game just so many cheats there's so much fun spawning tanks getting whatever weapons you want but also i wrote in our notes i wrote rosebud from the sims (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yep a really big one was uh age of empires 2 had a ton of cheats for getting crazy things like like lasers and race cars and stuff yeah, what's the car that shot lasers? Yeah, I don't remember what it was. It's like a Cadillac that shot lasers <laughs> or something. Yeah, so I oh, when I was man. younger, uh, my mom, uh, my sister and I went to the Boys and Girls Club while my mom worked, and they had a computer lab there, which is where I spent the majority of my time. And we would have like four to six person Age of Empire lands while we were in that computer lab. And it wasn't until somebody was running around with with race cars with lasers that we realized, oh, you can turn cheats off in multiplayer. <laughs> and <laughs> so, uh, I, I remember that pretty distinctly. That's as far funny. as glitches go. Um, before before you get to this, I have to say yeah. that that just awakened a memory in me of playing a whole bunch of Age of Mythology, which is another thing that was a little beyond my grasp when I was playing it. Um, but I was a big fan of or had a big interest in like Greek and Egyptian mythology uh, as a kid. So I knew I needed to play this game and there were a lot of fun cheats for that too. And I, I definitely cheated my way all the way through that. That's uh, funny that I completely forgot about it until you said age of empires and it just <laughs> burst into my brain. It's the other age of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, for the most part, actually as a, as a kid and even, as an adult, I've had this aversion to using cheats for whatever reason. I'm like, I want to complete this game for real. And uh, the exception being Grand Theft Auto, it's really fun just to run around and do stupid stuff. Um, as far as glitches go, the first thing that popped into my head was playing Halo games and like cramming vehicles into any spot possible and then like grenading them over areas they're not supposed to be in. Uh, pl- just playing endless hours of co-op with my buddies trying to like how do we get this yep. scorpion into this area 
And so, oh, flipping the scorpion upside down exactly. so that only the tank turret goes through the door, oh. and then like rocketing it and grenading it through the door, and then you finally get it through, and then there's another door, and you're <laughs> like, ah, uh, another challenge, <laughs> and then you, you got you just start doing it again, running out, grabbing grenades. Yeah, I, I have so many memories of just spending hours upon hours doing that in Halo One and Two with my friends. Um, or like there's a oh my gosh I'm gonna I can't remember the name of the map but there's a map in Halo One, and there's this big stone arch uh, on the beach and we were like let's see if we can launch the warthog over it and we've just spent so much time just how do we grenade this perfectly to launch it over this stone arch? Was that in two? I think it was in the first. One. It could have been the second one. I don't remember. It's been a while. Because there's a be- there's a beach I was trying to remember, but it's got the big fan. No, not the one with the fan. That's um, that's a multiplayer map. Uh, it's the cartographer something. Oh, uh, oh, okay. I know what you're talking I can't about. Can't remember now. the name yeah. of the map, but mm-hmm. uh, the other the silent cartographer. Maybe that sounds, that sounds yeah, right. I think so. We'll we'll say it's correct. I think Nobody so. will prove us otherwise. <laughs> uh, the the other one that I remember is from um, Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. In the Xbox version, I don't know if this was patched in the PC version because I played this on Xbox, and you could build a spell that would increase your stats above 99, and you would just aim directly down and cast it at your feet. And so you could get your stats absurdly high to the point where just anything died. You could do anything you wanted in the game, and this was something you could accomplish within the first, I don't know, 30 minutes of playing the game. It just made the rest of the game a cakewalk. Um, my friend showed that to me and i was like this is absurd like what morrowind is one of my favorite speed runs to watch uh because there are so many weird uh weird interactions like that um there are also a, a variety of weapons uh in the game that are legendary and magical and they increase your stats uh, but if, uh, if you switch between that weapon and a different weapon, um, uh, the game takes a moment to, uh, to apply the, um, or to, to unapply the stat boost. So if you switch quickly back and forth, you double up the stat boost and just oh, keep wow. adding to it. And so, huh. um, the the start of the speed run involves like uh using those those uh super jump boots that you find that someone has died from using in the very start of the game uh jumping to i think it's a scroll it's a scroll that you find oh that's right you walk by this path and this mage just falls out of the sky and just dies on the ground in front of you. <laughs> yeah. And you loot his body and there's just this scroll that gives you just an, like, an insane jump. Yeah, but you'll you'll typically die from the falling damage just like he did if you aren't careful when you use it. Um, but yeah, so you, you would uh, um, take those scrolls, jump to this cave that has one of these weapons in it and get the weapon and then like spin the scroll wheel to unequip it and re-equip it and then your stats are just nuts for the the rest of the game huh i i am not a big speed run person i appreciate them like when i catch one if it's you know what what is the uh the twitch one that happens all the time for charity games done quick games done quick thing if i happen to catch that i enjoy sitting there and watching it for a couple hours like it's really entertaining but i'm not one who hunts out 
speedruns, but this is what I'm going to look up because Morrowind is uh, my favorite Elder Scrolls game and one of my favorite games of all time. So I'll I'll send you a link uh, because this this is from a, a GDQ from a while back. I forget oh, cool. exa- exactly when, but um, this category, this sort of um, rule set for this particular speedrun is uh, all main quests where they need to complete all of the main quests in Morrowind, and it's 23 minutes. Holy shit. That's really short. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fast. That's crazy. It is. All right, Amazing. I'm going to have to watch this. Well, I don't have anything else to mention for cheats or glitches. Those are the ones that came to mind. Uh, thanks for the question, Mike. That was a fun one to think about. I, I spent the week or so that we had that question just debating it in my head. Um, and I instantly thought of something yeah. that Zach had an experience like as soon as it, it was, yeah, it, it was, it was just over in my mind. I went, I, I, it might fit the category, Mike, I'm sorry if I didn't do your question justice, but that just stood out of my mind. I will say a funny recent glitch. I guess I lied. I have one last thing. Uh, a funny recent <laughs> glitch was playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And there was a cutscene where half of Eivor's beard was missing, just like perfectly down the <laughs> middle of his face. One side had oh. a beard, one didn't. And I was trying to get a picture of it, and I was just laughing too hard that I kept taking a blurry picture. I was trying to send it to Nick. And, uh, so wow. that, that was a, a pretty silly glitch that happened. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. <laughs> I I had a, a fun glitch in um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, too, where um, uh, it, it was amusing for a little while. It wasn't particularly exciting, but... Uh, uh, my horse just all of a sudden got up on two legs uh, and just was basically gliding around, reared up on its back legs. For whatever reason, I just like hit hit an angle weird, uh, and it only lasted for uh, like maybe fifteen seconds. But it was a delightful. Oh, look what you're doing, horse! <laughs> that game had a lot of really weird glitches at launch that were pit- pretty quickly fixed in patches. Um, I sent. I think I'm pretty sure I sent a video to Garrett of my guy walking through the middle of a forest, just at this like sideways. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you called it? The Viking shuffle. The way he was walking, yeah. it looked like he was dancing. <laughs> uh, it was really yep. bizarre. I mean, you don't know about the Viking shuffle. It's one of the most, <laughs> you know, it, it used in stealth tactics. I mean, it's in every you know Viking history novel. That you could think of every show. I'm pretty sure that they featured it in Vikings. I guess I'll have to watch to find out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, I was wrong. Uh, I I just looked it up. Um, this Morrowind speed run was 35 minutes, but still. Oh, pretty, how dare you? Pretty great. Um, so disappointed. <laughs> this is this is from four years ago. Um, uh, Summer Games Done Quick 2016, where they did uh, um, speed runs in a row of every Elder Scrolls game which is pretty fantastic. Hmm. Oh my gosh. Having tried to fairly recently within the last year, tried to play Daggerfall. That game is garbage. I can't imagine trying to speed run that game. Ooh. Yeah. I, I never played those early ones. I started with Oblivion don't. and loved Oblivion. Just don't. But, oh boy. <laughs> I tried to go back because I was curious as a fan of the series and it's not fun. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Duly noted. Not going to be featured on an episode of Way Too Late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. We all have to play Daggerfall or Go Insane. Those we have are your to play two choices. Arena, which is a gi- I'm pre- is it Arena or Daggerfall? I think it's Daggerfall. That's just absolutely gigantic and just empty. Like the world is massive, but there it's so old. There's no like content. It's just you walk around. 
if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah, I've watched some videos. It's it's definitely it seems like there was an era of Western RPGs where there was an obsession with scale and size without being too concerned with populating that space with content. Look at all the things we can do, but we used all our memory, so we have no room for NPCs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Um I, I've got nothing else. Um unless you guys do. I think well um I'm sure we've all drank a bunch of this beer, so what do we think about it? Any any final thoughts that are different from your initial tasting? You know, it grew on me. Um I, I came to appreciate the the sort of simplicity of its flavor. It has just this sort of bright floral sort of punch and then uh, it leaves a bitter aftertaste. It's it's definitely an acquired taste. Um, I will say the last gulp from the can was uh, unbelievably bitter. <laughs> this is there's a bit of a dregs <laughs> effect on this one. Um, but yeah, I I came to appreciate it. I won't I won't just pour out the other one that I got. I'll I'll drink it one of these days. You ne- never, sir. You tell me, and we will arrange a safe uh, exchange of goods. And I will, I will take any beer. I don't care if it's bad; it should not be wasted. Absolutely. But yeah, I'll, I'll drink it. I still prefer the the hazy uh, that we drank in the first episode. It was more more drinkable, a little more depth of flavor to me. But I appreciate I appreciate this, uh, even if it's not necessarily my thing. I'm making notes right now uh, so I can get Nick points later. Uh, (laughs) Okay, rating system. Liked the hazy double IPA down the drain. Okay, all right, good. I'm good. Maybe not just not safe for birds, not safe for Nick as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's not safe for... That should be the new stamp on the can, right? (laughs) Not not, not safe for birds, not safe for... It sure broke my beat. That's that's the one. (laughs) Well, I'm going to give it... uh, I'm I'm trying to think of a new rating system, right? Um, How many bananas do you give it? How many bananas? That's a whole. Is this Donkey Kong? That could be. No, no, <laughs> no. Let, let's not get started on. Let's not get started on um, Zach's uh, uh, nicknames for me. Uh, but uh, I'm two cans down, so I'm going to give it two cans. That's two that's cans. what I'm going to give it. Two cans. Fitting. You know, it's bird, bird theme. Yep. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I give it two cans up, or two cans down. I, I mean, uh, it's wonderfully ambiguous. So take take from that what you will. My thoughts have not changed, as I mentioned at the start. This is one of my favorite beers. It continues to be so after this uh, episode. So, <laughs> I was going to say, Zach, Zach comes out. Uh, third hot take, Zach had to have one. He's just like, I now hate this beer. <laughs> it is the worst beer I've ever had. And uh, I'm going to be donating them to, to, to Garrett. That's what's going to happen. You know, I've got another... Uh another 19 ounce can sitting next to me i was gonna open it for this and i like it so much i was like i need to savor this i want i want this tomorrow so i intentionally didn't open it wow such restraint i'm impressed it was difficult not gonna lie yeah i mean are you gonna be doing a a beak bomb or i can't what was it called again yeah 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 yeah, beak bomb okay i got it right i will do a beak bomb tomorrow (laughs) just for you garrett which means that i'm gonna be hung over on tuesday You've got to catch this on video. Uh, no. I happen to have Everclear, so we could do a simultaneous <laughs> beak bomb. We Do you not remember? <laughs> I have this uh, crazy... Why... What is it that I... 
when Everclear is around, I have to drink it. I don't know why mm-hmm. this is a thing. Oh no, that's a dangerous well, compulsion. I did. So so again, when when we're at a state when we can do this again, I'm going to be doing my my monthly fight night again, where we have uh, fighting game tournaments uh, at my house hosted. We stream it on Twitch. Uh, and then the winner gets to pick the next game, so it kind of keeps it wonderfully random. And uh, we've had random winners so far, which is great. I won one. Yay! Zach did win one, and um, this wasn't on the night that he won, but uh, <laughs> I had Everclear, and a couple of people hadn't drank it before. And you know, you're there for several hours. It's like four or five hours. So I'm like, okay, if you're gonna have one drink, this is gonna knock you out. <laughs> Let's do it at the beginning. And I went, oh, here, Zach, I got this alcohol for you to try. And at the time, like, Zach didn't really drink, didn't really drink beer or anything like that. So I, you know, as bad as it seems, I thought it would be funny if I gave him Everclear. (laughs) And uh, so Zach had a shot of Everclear uh, before one of the fight nights. Uh, It wasn't just a shot. It was, I had three shots of Everclear (sighs) between rounds. I I don't remember. I remember doing the one. I don't remember the other ones. Was it was it Nick? Uh, not not you, Nick. A yes, different Nick different who Nick, was yeah. like go, goading you into. No, we were we were doing more. it together. We're like, all right, let's go. Let's do another one. And yeah, because I did not participate in no, that. No, it's terrible. It's like drink, I was hosting. Why would you want to drink something that tastes like gasoline? Let's be honest. Yeah, so. that, I flipped that question to you because you go, hey, let's put gasoline beaks breaker. Listen, I don't understand it either. But whenever it clears around, I have to drink it. So. All right, so are we? Uh, is this a promise to our listeners? Are we going to do this, and then we'll uh, you'll cut together the video and put it on our social nope. of us doing <laughs> beak bombs? I, oh, um, if you guys are going to do it with me, then yes, I I will do it. I have Everclear, and I have um, at least one, maybe two more cans of beak. Breaker. I'm going to tell you now, sure. it it's it hits. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of. Cost I'll do efficient. it right when I get home from. <laughs> I'll get. I'll get. I'll do it right when I get home from work tomorrow, so that I have time to process, and I'll just like down 40 to 80 ounces of water afterwards will be fine. <laughs> I don't have any Everclear, but I like the idea of uh on one of these fight nights uh having a a beak mm-hmm. bomb uh intro. There we go. Let's do it. We'll, when, we'll... Yeah, anyone who does a beak bomb uh you're going to Uber home or you're staying at my house. <laughs> Just I did not know the extent that you took the Everclear challenge uh Zach, but uh but yeah. <laughs> um, that'll be that'll be a you're having Everclear, Everclear. You're staying at my house for at least eight hours <laughs> in between drinks. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe something to look forward to in the future. It's something that I really enjoyed. Uh, of course, you'll get tired of me talking about fighting games, but <clears throat> that's what I got. That's what I play. Yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. It's um, maybe in the future. I know we uh, in the past we had tried to stream this and we had issues, but um, maybe. Mm-hmm. Going forward, when this is a thing again, we can try to stream it on our on our Twitch channel that we have set up. Absolutely, yeah, all all possibilities. Well, um, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, please let us know what you you know. Send us your questions. Send us your comments. Uh, we want to improve the show, and we want to continue doing this. Uh, it's been really fun to do this so far. Absolutely. Uh, if you have not followed us already, you can follow us on all the social places, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Cohops Podcast. One word, no hyphens anywhere. Um, Nick, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter, though I don't uh, post particularly much at nprinzing. Um, and I'm on Instagram at nicholas.prinzing. Um, 
generally posting miniature painting stuff this weekend. I fell a little behind on my games because I challenged myself to paint uh, an entire keywords worth of Malifaux models, so 16 models in two days. And boy, that was a, a struggle. Um, but that was a lot of fun. So that's most of what you'll find there. And that's where you can find me. Uh, you can find me at gmank16 on Twitter. I'll be posting a lot more uh, now. Uh, but yeah, gmank16, G-M-A-N-K-16. And I'm at Zach has no pants on Instagram and Twitter. I don't post much on either. I'm going to try to to do more so. You'll probably see retro video game pickups and uh, maybe pictures of my dog. Mm. Everyone likes both of those things. I, At least I do. Yeah. I think my Venn diagram yeah, crosses well with those people. So, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> anyone who's listening to this, I have to imagine, will appreciate retro game pickups. And anyone who has a heartbeat can appreciate dogs. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, we will see you, or you'll hear us, rather, in a couple weeks. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everyone.